Hi, this is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights podcast. When we started the podcast series examining the lands of Disneyland Park in the Disneyland Paris Resort, we began our first focused podcast with Fantasia Gardens, moving past the Disneyland Hotel, and then down the left side of Main Street, USA, to include the Liberty Arcade. We have then moved through Frontierland, Adventureland, Fantasyland, and Discoveryland. Now we will return to Main Street and move down the right side toward the castle. One might think this is a lot of podcasts for what is a bunch of shops and eateries, but I hold that this is perhaps the best designed retail and dining experience in the world. Even better than any of the other main streets found in parks worldwide. The attention Imagineers put toward the design of the street is unparalleled in terms of attention to detail, especially for something that is really not about rides and attractions, although we will talk about the Disneyland Railroad. In fact, we will consider as to whether this is the best combined indoor, outdoor entertainment, retail, dining, mall-style experience across the globe. Join us as we continue our series of celebrating the many lands of Disneyland Park in Disneyland Paris. This podcast is brought to you by Performance Journeys, and we're going to make some, some real connections back to your organization as we go through this. You're definitely going to want to go to DisneyInsights.com. Perhaps I have made that page the biggest of any that we have done. There are nearly 50 photos, and there are several videos and a bunch of links that are going to be important. In fact, so important because at the end of this podcast, we're going to talk about a special need and your and um, your opportunity to support that need. So pay attention to the end of our podcast as we talk about that. It is, um, and while you're there, make sure that you subscribe. Any rate, uh, we uh, really, there have been um, so much written and said about the experience of Main Street USA at Disneyland or in the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Um, it is interesting that as much has been said about those two places, this, this version of Main Street is perhaps uh, beyond those two. Um, it it exceeds, and I mind you, it is founded on the two of those. I mean, Disneyland's Main Street is foundational for the even concept that Walt engineered. And the Magic Kingdom version, which looks very similar in many ways on the outside to, to the one in Paris, definitely took the scale to a next level. But this even takes it further. And I'm very excited to talk about how this experience occurs, even when we're just looking on the right side, the left side being equal. And there's a link to go back. If you haven't heard that podcast, definitely go back to that one where we talk about the west side of Main Street. We begin actually uh, just 
inside the turnstiles before we've even gone underneath the train station. We begin at something called Plaza East Boutique, which by the way, I kind of missed discussing Plaza West Boutique. It's uh, it's interesting because um, these these um, when you go into and this is this is kind of gives you the idea of how I mean this little what ought to be a kiosk is is exemplary of everything that follows in Main Street when you go into Disneyland Walt Disney World you know that there are some uh, little kiosk style stores on the left side and the right side for last-minute sundries as you enter, for last-minute souvenirs as you exit. In fact, Walt Disney World's version hasn't even been open on the on the uh, west side since the pandemic. I don't think I've seen that store open. The, the one on the east side, though, on the right side as you enter, has been open. It's it's next to the, um, the locker area. But um, here, they have the same thing covering the same concept and um and i'm embarrassed to say i have been inside them i haven't been in i didn't go inside them last summer because why they are the way they are is that they continue the rain coverage and if you follow the um the awnings to stay out of very cold weather which i experienced back in 2005 when I first went there, you'll end up in these boutiques just in the, in the effort to stay out of, out of the cold. These are amazing shops which have lined up along the, the top edges of them artwork and graphics which suggest all that you're going to experience from the Disneyland Hotel on through the end of Disneyland uh, the end of Main Street as you approach the castle. Plus um, a bunch of uh, product and souvenirs. But you walk into this, 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 these boutiques have better detail than some of our retail stores here at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. That's how amazing they are. And they're on the east side and the west side. Um, uh, old chandeliers, turn of the century designs, a lot of crown molding. It's just absolutely amazing. We haven't even gotten under the railway station. The railroad station is an interesting thing. Um, it is really got some beautiful details to it. Surprisingly, there it isn't indoors. It is all outdoors, but under a very large canopy. Um, and when you get ready to board, you will see these beautiful stained glass uh, depictions of the four lands that you will be heading toward as you get on the train. Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, and Discoveryland. And uh, they're beautiful in and of themselves. And then there is a, um, um, a band organ that is there playing music as well. Again, it's not indoor-outdoors. It's just simply outdoors under a canopy beautiful um, grading and lighting and so forth. This The station can almost be missed as you kind of go under because it doesn't sit up. There are two things that occur here that, that or there are two things that don't occur here that occur at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. When we think of the train station at Disneyland, 
in Walt Disney World, we think of that floral Mickey portrait. Well, that actually is way in advance of the Disneyland Paris Hotel in the Fantasia Gardens, and it's part of that. So you don't see that here. Secondly, is the, the train station is not very tall. It sits up above where you, you know, go underneath to enter, but it does not, um, it does not, it does not have its own unique, strong architectural design. The reason for that is because they wanted guests staying at the Disneyland Hotel to have as much of an uninterrupted view of not only, um, Main Street, but all of Disneyland Paris beyond that. And so, and so that's why it's designed that way. Now, what is wonderful is are the four trains that make up um, the Disneyland Paris Railroad. They are beautiful with individual cars. They go around with station stops, potentially, not currently in all of them, but potentially in Frontierland, Fantasyland and Discoveryland. I don't know if they are, they are, um, um, stopping in all those locations. They weren't stopping in Fantasyland last summer, but they may be now. And, um, they go through, you can actually, you first start with going through the prime, uh, the Grand Canyon, and then you come out into Frontierland. When you go through Adventureland, you actually see a portion of Pirates of the Caribbean. Then you head through Fantasyland past It's a Small World, and then into Discoveryland where you are passing through the area where the Star Wars or Star Tours is. And it's just a wonderful journey on the train. And I have video of it if you want to see it on Disney Insights. Um, uh, also lovely are the horse-drawn streetcars and Main Street vehicles, which, again, because of the pandemic, they were not out last summer as they were coming off of that. Um, but one of the interesting things is when you enter Main Street and you look toward the right, rather than uh, what has what was great moments with Mr. Lincoln or the Town Square Theater um, of the right side um, at Magic Kingdom, the bulk of the area is, is taken up by Main Street Transportation Company, which is where they house the uh, the um, the trolleys for um, Main Street. And um, it's a big area. It's unfortunate because it's not an open area to the guests. It is an incredibly beautiful building. I should note that... Um, the vehicles, I believe, may also, I don't think the vehicles come out of this, but there is a portion of the roof that looks like the firehouse, but there is actually no firehouse in this version of Main Street. Um, it, is a, it is a beautiful piece of architecture. I think it could be redone into something a little bit more um, guest utilized. I think another restaurant would be there and maybe moving the trolley tracks so that they went through another um, exit out of the park. I don't know, but at any rate, it, it is just beautiful from an architectural point of view. Um, there are horseless buggies and fire engines. I don't think I've ever seen a double-decker bus run up and down Main Street there. Um, again, no firehouse, but there is a fire truck. Next door to this are two... Um, Again, almost boutique-style show stores. One is Bixby Brothers, which is supposedly men's accessories. 
and Ribbons and Bows Hat Shop. Both of those deal with um, mouse ears and Disney hats and um, maybe um, you can grab a balloon there at the entrance. That's really what they're for. They're not, um, they're, they are well detailed on the inside and I have pictures of them. But, uh, but a lot of people kind of miss this as they go through. What you'll find just beyond that is Discovery Arcade. Now we talked about the Liberty Arcade and how Liberty Arcade was an homage to the French's, the French uh, people and their contribution of the Statue of Liberty to the United States. This one takes on a very different theme. It really kind of prepares you for Discovery Land, which is on the other end of this arcade. You enter on Town Square, you exit as you head toward Discovery Land. And here inside this um, are, are actual inventions that have been made over the years and they're um, what I would say are um, trademarks and copyright instructions that go with those inventions. You see uh, depictions of major cities like St. Louis and Chicago and New York done in a dis kind of um, a Victorian elegance, this steampunk way. If you were to make um, San Francisco into a steampunk world, what would that look like? You see these signs and depictions, posters. There's, of course, the arcade is very functional. Uh, form follows the function, and it's intended to, again, provide you cover so that you are not um, uh, exposed to the elements of cold and rain and snow. Uh, but it also connects you to many of the eateries and retail shops that are along this side of the street. And in fact, um, you can easily go into the deli, easily go into the cable car shop and grab a bite to eat there or into a, another shop and, and look at the retail offerings there. We'll cover each of them in just a second. But it's very cool. Very, uh, there's a sort of Leonardo da Vinci um, man, you know, the, the naked man symbol into the grill work. It's just cleverly, beautifully laid out, and it and it it ties Main Street into Discovery Land in a way you couldn't do so otherwise. Very clever, very cool. The corner of Main Street on the right side has traditionally in the Disney um, main streets have traditionally been set aside for Kodak and for camera film and for batteries and for uh, camera rentals and that kind of thing for decades. When Kodak kind of moved to the side, um, this store has been utilized in different ways as have the other stores at, at Disney. Um, it, you, you, they actually expanded the confectionery to take over this space. It's called New Century Notions here. And I'm, by the way, I will include on Disney Insights uh, an image, a sketch of what the original photography studio looked like because the detail was bleeding. And, and, and there's also a video of 
of um, of Eddie talking, um, uh, sort of uh, talking about this particular shop and all the detail that went into it. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, I also show you images of what it is now. It's really kind of a Parisian photography store with a Victorian style. It's stained glass, intricately carved wood. A photo pass is still available there. So it, it serves its purpose and, and you can check it out when you look at it. Next door is one of my absolutely favorite designed interiors of any shop. It is the Boardwalk Candy Palace and it is it is gleaming with um, um, candies in glass cases, in glass pillars. These candies are just filling up these glass pillars. There are little boardwalk style models of boardwalk style attractions that are themed to candy. There's a big um, homage to Atlantic City and the boardwalk there in, in terms of a diorama in the back of the store. Even the ceiling has this orange and white striped uh, feel to it, which um, uh, which really reminds me of the old bamboo scene from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It, it, there is just so much to adore in this gift shop. It is just so amazing. And by the way, it also offers candies, foods, and drinks. We often um, headed there to get a snack on the way out of the uh, the park, and uh, it's just terrific. Disney Clothiers is next, and um, and it's then followed by Main Street Motors. And this is one of Eddie's crazier ideas. He decided to put an automobile shop even with the idea that you could potentially buy an automobile and there would be all this automobile merchandise, which I, I have to stop and say, this is the brilliance of Eddie on this, is he saw, he, he created places that could create its own automotive style retail. Now, if you think that seems weird or impossible, just remember Radiator Springs has all sorts of automotive, automotive merchandise. The sad thing is, is the merchandise doesn't match up to the quality of the retail store. On the outside, there is um, a couple of things. There is actually a, a gas pump, an old-fashioned gas pump sitting right there in front of it. Look up and see some of the billboards up there. My favorite is the coffee uh, billboard, which has uh, steam coming out of a, a 3D coffee cup that's embedded into the billboard, you see pictures of this on Disney Insights. Another one is for Coca-Cola. The the reds, the, the cranberry reds used for the exterior of the shop. Again, you'll see this, when you start down Main Street, you'll say, oh, this looks a lot like Magic Kingdom. But when you go to, down to count the stores and shops, I do believe that, that at least 50%, if not more, of the retail exteriors were completely uh, changed out when they did this version of Main Street. Certainly going down center streets on both sides, the, the center middle street, all of that has been changed out. The stores, the corners, retail shops facing those center streets have been changed out. Everything in town square has been changed out. There's a lot of change in all this. And then you get to the interiors and there's a whole nother thing going on here. Now, this has been modified a little bit, but there's some fun things. One is Thomas O'Malley um, 
sits among tires and barrels with his own little pouch of tools uh, ready to help work on the automobiles. I show another image of this uh, Model T style car with its packages and cases coming off of off of uh, uh, some crown molding and a shelving space. And then there is this major uh, cherry red uh, Model T style um, vehicle inside the glass, inside the shop, right up against the glass leading to, and in the middle of it is Cruella de Vil. It is, it is really a very cool sight to see. And um, it just adds to what makes all of this so much fun. You just could explore any of these shops. Even if you don't care for the retail aspect, you have to go through to explore what is really elegant um, spaces inside. The throwaway architecture in most of the main streets is usually down Center Street. It's usually just a facade of things to kind of give you a sense that the street continues on. That is not the case here. And on this particular street, um, Eddie has doubled down on so many levels. Architecture, gingerbread, um, crown molding, um, signage, all of it is just outstanding in these this little section. Just to give you an idea, um, of course, there are windows on Main Street and there's a sign that also kind of... Um, uh, alludes to some of it. By the way, I, I actually, this Center Street is called Market Street. I don't know if it's called um, Flower Street on the other side or if it's also called Market Street, but it's called Market Street here. There's a little sign. I got a picture of it on the thing. It says Beulah's Boarding House. Beulah dates back to Summer Magic and beautiful uh, Beulah and a place in Maine um, on the sign you see number nine, R. Sherwood, MD, that relates to a doctor who gave uh, Walt Disney an opportunity to, to do, do a drawing for him, and which he paid for. And, um, and I imagine there are other um, Imagineers that are honored on this little facade. There is a coffee grinder. It's a small kiosk that um, offers co a coffee, cookies, and cream. And there's also an ice cream store right there. And what's important about this is these things link on the backside and directly into the Discovery Arcade. So you can grab those things uh, from there as well as you go down the arcade. And that's very cool. A lot of people know about the, the uh, when you go down Main Street or you're in Center Street on Main Street, Magic Kingdom or Disneyland, you see, you hear the the end of the piano lessons being played, or the individual going to the dentist for um, dental work. This actually began here at Disneyland Paris. This is Eddie's concoction. He built out these things, and um, and you see a big molar at the entrance to the dental store, um, dental shop upstairs. All these upstairs sounds to give you a sense that there's a whole world going on in Main Street. Makes that very cool. Of course, over at Waltz, you can go upstairs to dine in that space. 
if I would recommend anything is to do more of that upstairs kind of utilization of space, then you go into um, one of the best interiors, Market House Deli, which is done in a sort of early 20th century New York style deli shop. It has, um, think of the Market House that used to be at Disneyland, which is now Starbucks. Um, same thing at Disney at Magic Kingdom. Um, well, no, yeah, I can't remember where the market house was at Magic Kingdom, but at any rate, the longest story short is, is they've taken this to a whole nother level of detail, big, a furnace in the middle of the room, cans along the side, signage and pictures and woodwork and deli meats hanging and a wonderful little player piano with stained glass on it. And you can't never have enough stained glass in my view um band trumpets and so forth and and really actually some pretty good sandwiches there this is a great place to grab a bite to eat and i have done so many a time going down there um this is a this is a real winner and a lot of people go back and forth again you can enter back and forth from discovery arcade to this deli next door you take again <laughs> retail uh, it just goes to a whole nother level. This is, there are glass stained domes um, elsewhere, but this is probably the biggest of them all. This is a magnificent glass stained um, dome with big classic columns and um, in a retail space that's really basically selling painting, jewelry, fine arts, classics. It's called Harrington's Fine China and Porcelains. And it's named after Polly Harrington from the Disney classic uh, Pollyanna. Now, mind you, she didn't really have a store. She seemed to have many businesses and enterprises. She she seemed to be the most successful individual of the community. Well, let me just tell you when you the picture I have does not do it justice. But this is an amazingly huge, and the columns, just the detail on the columns with their deep greens contrasting the the fine art that that lays in the glass behind it this is an elegant shop and just beautifully done and then we go to the cable car bake shop which is a delightful location this is fashioned after the cable car experience in san francisco and it's going to offer you it's going to be the bakery store <clears throat> in fact there's kind of a cookie store called cookie kitchen that kind of attaches it's kind of part of that <clears throat> uh, collection right there. And it's offering cookies, fresh baked cookies um, at the front of the area. But what I love about this is the homage to the streetcar trolley in San Francisco and all the details, models and images and patented um, drawings and and st more stained glass. You go down this one corridor and it's almost like a little trolley barn where you each have your own little booth that's kind of dedicated. Um, it's a dedicated space with wooden chairs and it, and you can enjoy your bakery goods there. Just very clever. And you see the contrast in color schemes and design schemes and use of molding and 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 uh, uh, 
glass and every tile and everything. It is just a fantastic setting. At the corner of Main Street is Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor. It looks a lot like the ice cream parlor. It's sponsored by Ben and Jerry's and, and it unfortunately was not open while I was there. Again, kind of coming off of the pandemic. I like the facility. It's bigger and more open than the one at Magic Kingdom. Though it is in the same space and architecturally on the outside, it looks the same. It also uses the same color schemes, pinks with black and white tile, uh, marble tile on the on the floor. Um, of course, with it comes these Gibson Girl um, drawings done by Charles Dana Gibson. Um, the only disappointing thing is, is I think the Ben and Jerry logo on the front of the area should have been done more retro to that style of the turn of the century. It it has a contemporary signage. It, it just seems off-putting as much as I love Ben and Jerry and I wouldn't mind Ben and Jerry in, in the Magic Kingdom. I just want that that their signage and, and we changed out the Starbucks signage to make it old-fashioned. I don't know why they didn't make the Ben and Jerry signage old-fashioned as well. By the way, so where's Starbucks in all this? There is definitely a space for a Starbucks here but um, I think because they've had the long-term contract with Nescafe or other beverage dealers, they've not been able to to bring uh, Starbucks in there. Not even sure how popular Starbucks is in France. So, but um, when you get past this, you come to what is um, the Plaza Restaurant at Magic Kingdom. That's that's essentially the restaurant we we know of. Um, that is a formal dining experience. This utilizes the same interior space um, with lots of, does a better job on interior decorating. I just the wallpaper, the, the trim work, the stained glass, even the chairs and tables are far better quality. But what makes this kind of uniquely different is that you can order um, some treats, a milkshake, even beer and wine. You can, but you order it at a counter and then they bring it out to you. So this is a great place to go get a banana, or not a banana, but a, a, a chocolate a sundae, something of that nature, and order it and they'll bring it out to you and you can enjoy it inside this air conditioned space or a good hot chocolate. Um, on a cold day and enjoy it in this indoor space and look out over the, the gardens. In fact, the gardens being the Plaza Gardens because the gardens around the hub of Disneyland Paris is so much of what makes this park charming and beautiful. The Plaza Gardens restaurant has an exterior that looks pretty much like the same that you would find in the exact same footprint at Disneyland. And yet, it just seems to again go above and beyond. And mind you, uh, that restaurant at Disneyland also has wonderful detail and crown molding and stained glass and so forth. This is probably, if it's anything, it's it's kind of like taking that restaurant and Crystal Palace and putting it together because this is a much bigger restaurant um, space. With it are wonderful pictures depicting Main Street during the four seasons of the year. 
Um, and at the center of it, this is a this is the this is a buffet experience. And I want to say the only character buffet experience in the park. I I want to say maybe Agrabah at one point had some character dining in it, but but long and short, I think this is the only real character dining experience that you can find in the parks. And uh, there we met Mickey and um, Pluto and Goofy. And, and let me tell you, that was, that was probably one of the best highlights of my uh, experience last summer at Disneyland Paris. We kind of decided we were going to do this restaurant. It wasn't cheap compared to other dining options. Um, but it was a great value. Yes, there were European specialties, and but there were meats and cheeses and other things. You could find whatever you wanted to in this buffet. Well laid out buffet, well kept up buffet. The desserts were mind blowing. And again, the attention detail. And this was, I think, one of the first times we had had an opportunity to see Mickey one-on-one um, -on -one since the pandemic began. It seemed to me a very emotional experience and just one that that just made the whole experience uh, of being at Disneyland Paris uh, so enjoyable. I highly recommend this. I love Captain Jack's as well. It's one of my favorites, but I would say this one is such a contrast and it's, a, it's perfect. And of course, there's also Walt's it's uh, man it's hard um when let me just say uh, among outdoor and indoor venues i really believe the design of this version of main street usa at disneyland paris is not only the best of all main streets but is probably one of the best indoor and outdoor venues around certainly the best combined of those two approaches what we learned from this pedestrian experience is applicable to any um, retail or dining establishment. First off, or maybe any business. First off, tailored the experience to the people you are serving. Disneyland Paris made a conscious choice to go with a colder but more accessible destination to Western European visitors. But in not choosing Spain, they had to then make intentional efforts to offset the colder weather found in this region of France. How are you tailoring the experience to where and who you are serving? From the very moment you enter the Disneyland Paris Resort Hotel, all the way until you get to the back of the park, you are able to go under um, trellises and, and arcades and other spaces that keep you from getting wet and cold. That is a huge amount of investment to make, but they did it because they knew they needed to tailor the experience to whom they were serving. Second is that they deepen the experience. Um, with Eddie's leadership, it is more than a facade of gingerbread architecture. There is a compelling reason to enter each shop because there is so much attention to detail. Walking into a shop, restaurant, or arcade, you see stained glass, museum exhibits, vintage props, and eye-catching signage. 
how do you actually go and make each layer of your experience stand out from one another? How do you double down on the details? I'll just give you a contrast of why I say this is so this is so above and beyond what you see in the other parks. So the other two parks have exit spaces on the side on the back side of Main Street. And in the case of Magic Kingdom, they did do an intentional effort of trying to garden in and put up some um, clean fencing and, and, and such that it made it not, um, not uh, unobtrusive. You go off the back side of the other side and you're going to see backstage at Magic Kingdom. And you get somewhat similar experience when you go through the backside of Disneyland. You just get the backside. Here, they put in these arcades, not just for weather, but also the movement of traffic. And they could have easily just put in a simple alleyway with nice lighting and nice flooring and, 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 and clean and painted walls. Instead, they themed out both of those and they put in all of this detail. They are museum exhibits to go through and read and study everything there. You have two massive museum style experiences and the attention to detail and the and the imagination put into what was put there that is what i mean by deepening the experience and that's why i say this is better than most main streets but frankly it's a lot better than a lot of other malls or retail places i'm going to i'll come back to that in a second differentiating is the third thing unlike a mall where every store seems to be the same Main Street makes a visual statement between retail, dining, and other experiences. You go from one venue to another. When you see the video, the exclusive video, we have Avedi talking about this. He'll talk about how you go from a masculine setting to a, a feminine setting to a masculine setting. What it, the, we're not trying to focus on masculine feminine. We're trying to focus on contrast. So you have deep wood grains and deep marble colors in one. You go to light uh, pastel colors and light gingerbread molding to another. That's the idea. So it really, if you were to put it all together, it's one large Walmart, but it is not a Walmart. It is not all the same. Everything is unique and different. It stands out as its own experience, which is so key to making um, the experience, because once you kind of been past the shops, it's, a, it's the same shops you find anywhere else. Now, I will also say this. The problem with, with Main Street, particularly at Disneyland Paris, is that the retail product does not live up to the stores themselves. There is too much sameness. For instance, we talked about um, Lily's shop you could do you could do all sorts of victorian style well the automobile shop that i talked about earlier you could do victorian style soaps and and perfumes and that type of thing in lilies you could go over to the the motor shop that we talked about earlier and do all sorts of fun merchandise around america's or really everybody's love of of cars there's so much to do there and I feel like for the sake of just putting out a billion of this to get the best um, uh, uh, return on the dollar, it's disappointing 
and I think it lacks vision on the product side. But in terms of the facility, it is stellar. The fourth thing I'm going to say is build on all the senses. Whether it's listening to a party line on the phone or the smell of fresh brewed coffee or seeing that coffee, the steam of that coffee come off the billboard or the sound of the train coming into the station or the claps of the horses coming down Main Street or the taste of fine dining or just simply you know being able to grab a croissant. Everything is a sensory experience. So you have to employ the senses to create a full total experience. This is what we deal with when we talk to organizations at performance journeys. We talk about how do you tailor the experience to the people you're serving. We talk about deepening that experience and getting paying attention to the details. Um, everything speaks is and we talk about differentiating, building on the senses. These are the things that matter. If you want to, and let me just tell you, there is what was yesterday's headline was a major um, mall that was um, was going out of business in off of Market Street. F funny that we talk about Market Street on Main Street. Market Street in San Francisco, they've had 20 different major retailers leave that area, which has been a very lovely outdoor mall um, retail kind of experience and now the mall facility itself Westfield has has the t decided to leave the area this is a major plight issue in so many areas they could all they need to all go to Disneyland Paris and walk down Main Street inside and out and study it from beyond I know from my experience I've been fortunate to see some of the best mall style entertainment, dining, retail experiences around the world. From Fennell Hall in Boston, which I was just at a month, a month and a half ago, I was there. I love the architecture of Boston, but the whole thing fell apart the minute you walked in it. And this is considered, you go down the list of best, best kinds of malls and best mall experiences in America. That's one of the ones listed. And you're, you're kind of scratching your head. I love the Grove in Los Angeles. Grove will tell you. And I, by the way, I've taken groups to the Grove because there are some really good lessons to learn there. They've, I tell you, their location is the best of the best. It borders Beverly Hills and Hollywood and Los Angeles. It's just the best of the best. And it's got some interesting retail concepts. It's got theaters and so forth. But even it could learn a whole lot from what from Main Street USA. At Disneyland Paris. I've been to the Mall of America in Minneapolis, considered one of the best of the best. To shopping destinations, stellar ones, Dubai, Singapore, Orchid Row. All I can say, honestly, that in terms of design and intent of creating a solid guest experience, Main Street USA in Disneyland Paris is one of the most complete and perfected designs. And if you're going, and this is why I have taken people down Main Street USA at Disneyland Paris and even in the other parks. The other parks are great too. Tokyo, it does a better job on the product side. It has a unique design. We talk about it in another day. It has unique design on the, on the layout side. But because their center streets are real streets that take you somewhere. But, um, but their product. Oh my goodness, the amount of money they make on their product is, is, is an example of why you have to pay attention to that side of the equation. But at any rate, all of this is 
why I love Main Street USA at Disneyland Paris and why it's just fantastic. Now, beyond Main Street, um, we've, you know, we finished dinner at, at Plaza Gardens. Uh, it's now time to check out Sleeping Beauty Castle before um, the evening fireworks. Well, let me tell you, that will be our final podcast. It's one in and of itself. The castle is not a comment that you make in five to 10 minutes when you talk about Disneyland Paris. It is perhaps with the exception of Spaceship Earth itself, it may be the most incredible piece of architecture that Disney ever built. What you'll hear from the other podcasts is this may be the best castle ever. No, this may be the best building Disney has ever created. The best creation in terms of experience that Disney has ever created. They're, you know, it's not a ride or attraction per se, but it may be the best building Disney has ever created, with the exception of maybe Spaceship Earth. We're going to talk about that, and um, and we're going to explore the, um, that possibility in upcoming final podcasts um, in, that will be coming up very soon. Now, in the meantime, I'm heading out to uh, cruise to Alaska with my wife to celebrate uh, an important milestone birthday in her life, and we are so excited about that. Um, and we'll have some podcasts around that too, as we get through it. Um, and David Zanola, as we speak right now, is actually in Disneyland Paris. We're going to want to hear from him about his experience when he gets back. In the meantime, may I focus on one final thing. Um, since my days at the Disney Institute, I've had the privilege of working with Jim Corcus, who is who always referred to him as the, the, a Disney historian, and so deservedly so. Just a terrific guy who has uh, a great sense of humor and a knowledge of all things Disney. Really has written so many books and so many, so many materials. He's been on our podcast many times. I heard about an accident he had and I visited him in the hospital uh, just shortly thereafter. Um, but things have continued in a somewhat downward spiral for Jim. Um, he is dealing with some major medical issues and is in need of financial help um, at this time. Um, he's just at a, in an elderly place that I just think we need to support Jim. So I'm proposing three things if you would be open to it. First, just go to the GoFundMe account. It's listed on Disney Insights. Go there and make a direct contribution to Jim Corcus. That's that's the quick and fastest and easiest way. If you'd like something more for your money, then join our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society. We've talked about this, and you can get examples of what, um, what we do in terms of our interactive tools as... Um, contributions continue we're going to have more uh, exclusive podcasts on it any and there are different levels to join there um, starting um, at a dollar and going up and all contributions no matter what size they are they're going to be um, made entirely uh, sent to supporting Jim all contributions in 2023 so please if you if you've been thinking I've been on the well, I wonder if I should do that then just please go um, visit the Wayfinder Society and we'll take that uh, contribution and put it toward helping 
gym. The third thing you can do, if you don't have any money at all, this is going to be really easy. You go do the following three things. You go to DisneyInsights.com and subscribe. Then go subscribe at Disney Insights on YouTube and share a video. Finally, go join our Disney Insights Facebook group page. And I'll sh all the links are um, right there in our Disney Insights um, page. And share that with others. And... Um, and I promise you, for a, for the first 100 people who do that, I will make a $3 contribution each in supporting Jim. So there's lots of ways that you might be able to support Jim at this time and help him get to... And by the way, there are already lots of wonderful people. If you've done it already, thank you so much. Um, it is worth doing. Um, some things are worth doing, and Jim is one of those things. So... Thank you for joining us on this very busy Disney at Play podcast. We appreciate your patronage. Appreciate you being a part. Again, go out to DisneyInsights.com where you can see more about supporting Jim as well as all the stuff that we've talked about today. And finally, in the words of Sinbad Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We will see you real soon.